Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. This week, we are joined with Dr. Rahel Gazal, better known as Physician Doodles. She is the creative behind so many amazing pieces of art. If you follow her on Twitter, you've seen some of what she does. Um, and she's stepped out. She's joining us on the show. She's going to talk about the intersection of art and medicine and her pathway to becoming an emergency medicine physician. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. Dr. Gazelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited, actually, for coming to So what do you prefer, uh, Rahel or Physician Doodles? Um, Rahel works. <laughs> yeah, I work. Um, a lot of people call me Doodles. Um, especially oh. in the beginning, like, you know, beginning of the year when they're learning a lot of new people's names. Doodles is such an easy um, name for people to remember. So it's stuck all through residency for some people. And, yeah. Fantastic. And I think it's so um, awesome with emergency medicine physicians. You guys are truly jack of all trades and you all have the most incredible hobbies. So it's just yeah. par for the course. Yeah. I'm not out, you know, biking like a lot or hiking <laughs> like the rest of my colleagues. I'd rather, you know, stay indoors or even outdoors and draw like do art stuff but yeah gotcha so your pathway you attended uh university of georgia for undergrad you were at morehouse school of medicine for medical school and then you did your emergency medicine training in georgia can you talk i love having um fellow hbcu medical school graduates can you talk about um your pathway to um getting into medical school so you know, I'm from Jersey originally. I came down to Georgia. I, I didn't have any family down here. I came here for boarding school, actually, for high school. And at my boarding school, Northeast Georgia Mountains, like middle of nowhere, but beautiful school tool falls. Most of my, I guess the teachers there, they all went to Georgia. So that's all I knew was the University <laughs> of Georgia. So I applied there. And then, so obviously that's a, you know, um, predominantly white institution. And honestly, like with my culture, like being you know, having the Ethiopian upbringing, I really didn't know about HBCUs and PWIs until I went to Morehouse. So after college, I needed to, you know, do more clinical shadowing, things like that. Uh, And Morehouse was just a place where I was able to do shadowing and I really enjoyed it. And then I applied there, I got in and it was, it was, a big difference from like where I went from EGA. I learned a lot. It made me like very aware of like health equity issues, like racial disparities in medicine, which, uh, you know, was a whole, uh, it just like completely opened my eyes. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. Like I wouldn't take it back for anything. The one thing that I love about them, even though, you know, they're trying to get people in pre- uh, preventative care. And I, in the beginning, I told them, you know, I want to do emergency medicine. I didn't think to like, you know, kind of just say what they wanted to say to get in. But they, you know, they accepted me knowing that, you know, I wanted to do emergency medicine. And in a way that is kind of 
preventative care for a lot of people, especially in the Atlanta area. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, they didn't care that my MCAT wasn't best, but, you know, they brought out really strong graduates and, you know, majority of us went to our number one, like our top ranked programs. So, yeah, I wouldn't change that experience for anything. So I've got to ask, as an Ethiopian-American Jersey girl, how was that transition to University of Georgia? Oh, it was so strange. Like, I mean, you know, you kind of, you kind of just, I don't, to be honest, I, so where I'm from in New Jersey, um, it's also like a predominantly white Jewish area. So that wasn't that much of a difference. But once you leave Athens, you know, you're in an area that's like really racist and really, you know, you see Confederate flags everywhere. That was a huge <laughs> change. That was a huge um, change to me because, I mean, up north, at least where I lived, although there were, you know, a lot of um, there weren't that many um, black people around me. I never was aware of it until <laughs> I moved down to Georgia. Yeah. Um, but. Even I forgot how big the school is at UGA, but I mean, there's still a lot of, you know, black people and people of um, color that, you know, I hung out with. So it didn't seem, I don't know. It's, I mean, it is obviously a, a predominantly white institution, but it's also a huge program. So like 30, you know, 30% of people that aren't, I, I don't know. It just, I forget that it was a predominantly white institution until I went to Morehouse and realized that, you know, there are other uh, places like this. So, yeah. yeah. So I love you. You can still time. often <laughs> yeah, find your tribe and kind of know where, yeah, unless you're like, in, I don't know, Minnesota or Rochester. I don't, no, I don't know how you know, that there's is. A big, there's a really big population of like Ethiopian Somali um, people over there. I really? found that out. Yeah. <laughs> I recently found that out. Like, I don't know anyone from over there, but you know, Patient once told me they were like, "Oh, you must be Ethiopian." I was like, "Yeah, how do you know?" They're like, "Oh, this big population." I'm like, "Great!" <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. You can find your tribe anywhere. Um, yeah. And you, it's important to kind of build that support network because that's what kind of helps you succeed. Um, yeah. I think it was very interesting. You mentioned as you're applying to Morehouse because a lot of people have questions about their applications. And mm-hmm. the buzzwords are you have to care about the underserved and you have to donate your time and, and save the world. And people think that's kind of what admissions committees are looking for. But you mentioned you were very upfront about um, wanting to go into emergency medicine. So kind of what was that thought process for you? I just realized I would just be doing them a disservice by, you know, kind of selling a person that I wasn't. And I was hoping that what I had, what I was able to bring to the table was enough. And I totally believe emergency medicine is preventative care for a lot of people. So I don't feel like, you know, that place wasn't right for me. And I, if anything, I felt like, you know, Morehouse was very important, like learning about health equity and that it's extremely important in emergency medicine. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to go into emergency medicine. You know, I worked at um, uh, primary care offices, front desk, like doing um, administrative stuff. And I hated the fact that like, you know, if you didn't pay your copay, you couldn't come. Or like if you had an um, outstanding balance, you couldn't come. And I just loved with like emergency medicine. That's not a thought. Like we're going to take care of you regardless. You can worry about that later, which I know there's some problems that, you know, you have to deal with late, you know, later. But I just like to think that money isn't um, in the equation of me being able to take care of people. Yeah. That's one of the many reasons. That is fantastic. Um, 
I, I also share some of your sentiments. I didn't really know about HBCUs and PWIs when I was growing up. Yeah. And my first like big introduction was when I went to Howard for medical school. So can you talk about your experiences at Morehouse School of Medicine and some of those lessons that you learned being in that environment? Um, it just made me very aware because we did a lot of community outreach. You know, we went and did me like our group. We went to the assisted living facility, which I loved um, because we got to talk with the residents there and their experiences, why some people are, you know, a little bit uh, have some reservations about going to seek uh, treatment learning about health literacy issues. Like these are things that you don't really, like you didn't learn in college. You didn't really learn if it wasn't something, you know, immediately around you, which wasn't really the case, I guess, with my family. So it made all of those things more just, it just made me more aware of all of those things by living those experiences. And I think like it helped me a lot when I talk, like when I talk to patients, um, when I, you know, like things that bother me a lot is when, you know, people are like, oh, they're not compliant with their meds. And it's just like, what's the underlying issue? You know, like, is it because they can't afford it? Is it because, you know, they have other, you know, other things that is preventing them from getting better. So I don't know, I think it made me a better doctor in that sense that I was able to be more aware of the different scenarios, like different situations that patients are experiencing. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that there's this new generation of emergency medicine physicians. I think, you know, most of medical education is starting to push towards asking these difficult questions about the why behind the healthcare disparities that we see and trying to solve them. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier we were talking, you spent a fair amount of time at Grady Hospital in Mm -hmm. Atlanta. So what does Grady mean to you? Oh, my gosh. I, I... I absolutely love it. I, I mean, from the patients to the, the staff, like the patients that are there, especially most of them are like el- like elderly or like, you know, 50s and above. And, you know, they would tell us their stories. You'll hear them say the Grady's um, because back then it was a segregated hospital. Actually, from the top, you could see like it's an actual age. So there was like a connection between like the two segregated areas. So you'd hear a lot of people say the Grady's. And I mean, they're technically not wrong. That's what they were called um, and their experiences. Or you'll hear them, you know, talk about how, you know, they're Grady babies. And um, it just the patients, I just love the patients. Um it, it was sad sometimes, you know, realizing there are a lot of people that you're just kind of putting a like temporary bandage on their, you know, on their problem. Um, but I mean, like, it just, I don't know, it made me feel better that I was able to help even if it was for a little bit. And it just made me more aware of like, the deep rooted issues that we have in our community in the Atlanta area, where I mean, where it's happening everywhere, too. But specifically here, but Grady's an amazing place, amazing experience. The training was phenomenal between the trauma, the acuity. I felt like, even though you get nervous about going out on your own, realizing <laughs> now, yeah, it, I mean, it's scary being an attending, but you realize that you dealt with really sick people. And a part of it is the issue, right? That a lot of these people aren't getting prevented. They're not going for their routine preventative visits. They're catching things late. Um, or you have people that come in really decompensated because, you know, they haven't been taking their meds, things like that. So you're really used to really sick people. 
which I guess is, you know, great for the experience, but like terrible for like morale and for um, the patients that we're taking care of. But Grady is like an amazing place. If you ever drive around Atlanta, you'll see all the billboards. It's like Atlanta can't live without Grady. It's an amazing place. Yeah. Um, and during your residency, uh, right, you're hit by a whole entire pandemic. Yeah. So what was that experience like for you on the front lines as an emergency medicine physician? We had, so what's funny is we had about like five months of normalcy before it started. I I remember around November, like I was on my OB rotation and that's when you know, there was talks about this virus and then like December came around and things were starting to get a little more serious. They were pulling us from our actual away rotations because everyone was kind of discussing how to keep everyone safe. And but then it just, it, my memories of 2020 kind of, I don't know if it's just a blur because, you know, I, I don't want to think about that time because that time was tough. Like, you know, there was, First of all, we were isolated from our families. I don't know about yeah. others, but, you know, my parents, like my mom now, she lives in Atlanta, but I didn't see her for six months. I was like terrified of getting my family sick. And an important part of residency is being around your colleagues, being around, you know, yeah. your co-residents. So seeing that experience of the first five or six months where we used to go out after shift and like we would have drinks or like go out to eat and you know, go out for events and then going from that to like completely isolating. And then when you're not isolating, you're at work and, you know, we were seeing a lot of death. We were seeing, it was just, it was so terrible. Um, and then you're thinking about your safety too, right? Like we were everywhere. We were dealing with PPE. Um, oh yeah. The shortage. Uh, shortages. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and you know, as anesthesia, you realize like we were intubating people like left and right. It was just, it was just a terrible time. And, you know, can you like imagine doing that without PPE initially? It just, and like, we also didn't know about the virus, right? We just knew like people right. were getting sick and we're just learning, you know, as we go. And man, I, you know, it just makes you wonder like, Ooh, did, did you guys yeah. use the intubation box at all in the ER? There was, there was a period of time. I, <laughs> I saw that box. Um, I don't think it would have been feasible for me because of like where the, like where they were, the, like, I think you had to have been tall, but I know there were some boxes. Um, I know there was some, dis- yeah, there was some discussion of that, but yeah, it was, it was really bad. Um, it made, like, again, it made the training really well. Like, uh, you know, something that I know our classmates, like my class, we were really great on was, you know, our airways for that reason. But yeah, it was just, it was really a crazy, crazy time. And even once, you know, um, restrictions started opening up. I, I, I was hesitant for the first couple of months because I was still like, you know, I'm scared I'm going to bring this home and get my family yeah. sick. But I, I think it was like almost like month eight when I actually went home and, you know, felt good. I still like wore my mask and everything because again, I was still terrified. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah. And I don't want to scare my family too because, you know, I'm like telling them like, you know, we're all safe. We're not around the COVID people like that. Like, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, I couldn't think yeah. I couldn't understand. <laughs> they were so freaked out. They would like call me every day worrying. Um, you know, of course I told them after the fact, but you know, they would have just been worrying the whole time. And you know, I made a pledge to do this, and you know, I stuck through because yeah. Well, thank you for your service, my buddy Nate, who's <laughs> yeah. a co-host and emergency medicine physician, is quick to bring up that anesthesiologists have the luxury of uh, having our patients. <laughs> 
filtered and optimized and well, you guys and are down it. there. And that's the other thing. And it's not even anesthesia. So that was also a time, you know, all specialists, like you would not see anyone like radiology that, you know, we used to go into the radiology room to get like quick reads. Like they locked the doors on us. Like you have oh, to no. call them. Uh, you'll never see. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, it got, people were like, what's the COVID? Like surgeries were canceled, you know? Um, so it was, yeah. So we didn't see a lot of our like colleagues, like our specialist colleagues, except for like our surgeons, like during our trauma, since we like work right next to each other. But yeah, we didn't see anyone. Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> thankfully, hopefully the worst is behind us. I know. Um, we, we moved on. You finished residency. You are now a certified yeah. attending physician. Yeah. And um... Hey there. I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn and thank them for sponsoring the Black Doctors Podcast. TrueLearn is a medical exam preparation company that helps you outperform on your boards. If you are a medical student or resident physician, you should definitely check out their products. If you sign up, please use the code BDPODCAST and you'll get a discount. They have resources for both DO students as well as MD students and even physician assistants. When it comes to residency licensure, they offer question banks for over eight different specialties. TrueLearn gives analytics that give you insight into your study habits, your question responses, and tracks you along with your peers. Students and residents average 20% improvements after completing a TrueLearn smart bank. Check them out at truelearn.com. And again, remember to use the code BDPODCAST to receive your special discount. Now back to the show. Hopefully, the worst is behind us. I know. Um, we, we moved on. You finished residency. You are now a certified yeah. attending physician yeah. and um, hopefully enjoying life. <laughs> I am. It's still it's still very weird. You know, I, you know, when I introduce myself to patients, sometimes I want to say like, oh, I'm the ER resident. Um, but so it's weird, especially when I have the residents, I'm like, oh, I'm the supervising doctor, which it's funny because I get less people, I guess, confuse me or like say that I look too young now than I did during residency. So hmm. hopefully it's like the sense of confidence I'm like kind of putting out there. I don't know. <laughs> but sure. um, yeah, it's I remember my first couple of shifts. I was just like, OK, like. You know, just talking to my colleagues, and they were like, "You don't have to tell us everything." And I was like, "Oh, like <laughs> just have it, <laughs> have it." But yeah, I'm super lucky to be around people that I, you know, I trained with. Um, one of my other co-residents stayed here as well, so you know, having that shared experience is nice. But that yeah, is attending. That's hundreds. great. Um, turning to, uh, I guess, happier conversation yeah, besides know, COVID. So um, yeah. <laughs> one of or the way what I know you best from and I think a lot of uh your your fan base and followers on social media know you as physician doodles. So when did you first start drawing? Were you always drawing healthcare related stuff or were you drawing pictures or, or like what when did it start? So it started first of all physician doodles came around because I wanted doc like I wanted doc doodles. But it was taken by someone who's not even active on Instagram. Oh, my like, God. They, they didn't have anything since, like, years. And I was messaging them. I was like, hey, like, do you need that? You know? Um, but second year med school, it started. I never, like, I never had any formal training. I actually have, I will show you a picture. I have some old, like, sketches. But, um, 
the second year of med school during like pathophys, so much like there was so much to learn, you know, like the list, like the all the things that cause um, you know, SIDH or whatever. So I would just doodle that way and it was just a way for me to learn. And then during my second and third year I tutored like at Morehouse and I used my doodles to like help people. Um, and then I kind of like didn't really touch like I didn't really do it during third year, fourth year as much. And then when I was on the interview trail, you know, people were like, Oh, what you know, tell me a random fact and then I told them about my doodles and then they were like, You should really do something about that and a program who I won't name, you know, suggested like you should start, you know, a platform and I did and I really appreciate it. I'm glad I listened to them because that was great. Could have been Doc Doodles though, but <laughs> yeah. That was how many how many of these have you made if you had to like oh my guess? Of like actual medical doodles, maybe like oh hundreds. Like yeah. Somewhere between like three hundred to five hundred. I do so I um do illustrations for criticalcarenow.com. Um, which is really okay. nice. Um, they make these blogs or these posts and they're like, oh, you know, I'm doing a talk or a topic on LVAD. Like, what do you have? And um, I'll quickly draw something, which for me, it's nice, right? Because I'm like, oh, I could just easily draw it. And then I can like learn about whatever they're teaching. So I do that. And then I do, I, I still do stuff for me to learn things um, because for me, I'll draw something. And then that that's my first pass of the information. And then when I color it in later while I'm watching Jeopardy, that's usually when I color them in. Um, Jeopardy? That's my oh second my pass. God. I know. I'm such, I'm such a dork when it comes to it. I watch it religiously. Even after Alex died, it's not the same. But oh. yeah. R.I.P. I know. Goat, man. If you don't know what we're talking about, you got to check. Uh, go to Go to Twitter. Hopefully you're not driving. Uh, yeah. Physician Noodles, <laughs> oh, yeah. at Physician Noodle. And you could see all of these incredible drawings that uh, Dr. Gazelle has made that they're all kind of mnemonic related. They can help you learn a lot about medicine and retain that information. So it's just like, it's super fun. Like, I wish I could draw. Um, hmm, People say not so that. Much. So I've done lectures, like I've done lectures with some of our like fellows, especially at the, like at the children's hospital. I am convinced, okay, if you could like cannulate a vessel, you have the dexterity to draw. It's just practice, right? Like even me, there's some things that I have to see. Um, I don't know if you know what like, uh, oh my gosh, well, I forgot what the term is. Uh, it's basically the ability to like close your eyes and actually see what you, like if I tell you to close your eyes and I ask you to draw an apple, uh, to see an apple, some people could actually see an apple right in their eyes. I could see the idea of an apple. I can't. It is an actual thing. It, anyway, so people assume that artists could do that. I can't. So I have to see things in front of me. I have like little hand models or like little reference photos for me to draw. And it's just really practice. So I say that because you'd be surprised. And at, at the end of the day, it's not the art. It's like what you get out of it. So if it helped you learn something, if it, you know, I'm going to so, challenge you to that. Once upon a time when I was, I don't know, in sixth grade, I took piano lessons with Miss Paoletti. Yeah. And as my brother and sisters were taking your lessons, I took a piece of paper and there was a book with Beethoven's face on it. Yeah. So I put the paper down and I traced <laughs> Beethoven's face so it looked like Ludwig van Beethoven. Yeah. So then Miss Paoletti, who was super supportive, she sees it. She's like, oh my God, this is so great. You're such a talented artist. And at the time I was like, 
do I tell her that I just trace this or do I just let her <laughs> in? I didn't speak up. And I didn't say, oh, I actually trace this. She thought I drew it. So then she's like, oh, there's this art contest in a couple of weeks. Um, you should you should redo this this picture like on the actual paper so we can get it framed. And then, of course, my super supportive family is like, oh, yeah, you should definitely do this. And then they got me a whole sketchbook and these charcoal pencils. And oh I sat God. there and I tried to like draw Ludwig van Beethoven's face again and and again and again and it just looked worse and worse and then it ended up looking like a prune like a giant prune and you were gonna say it got better oh no it got worse each time and I remember we went all the way to this art show and it was framed it was this framed prune that was supposed to be Ludwig van Beethoven and it was framed and everybody was like walking by and staring at it and I had to stand next to this monstrosity. Um, well, I'm pr- I'm proud that you like stuck, <laughs> stuck to the story. I would have just I would have messed up. I'm like, nope, nope. Oh, oh man, oh that's hilarious. so I I will leave the the doodles in your <laughs> capable hands. Um, but what does the future look like? You said you're working with some uh, organizations with medical illustration, but like, where where do you go from here? So my goal in a like perfect world, so. Oh, I feel like one of these were actually your um, sponsors. So, you know, they're like, there's, I know, like, I won't use any names, but you know, there's animation, like um, medical animation websites for medical students, for residents. So I want to make a field out there, especially for emergency medicine. I feel like it, it's really more for medical students, at least what's been around when I was a medical student, not mm-hmm. as much clinical stuff. So hopefully, whether it's, doing illustrations and, you know, first aid or doing, um, we have Rosh Review. We talk, I, yeah. So there are different like platforms that I would love to work on or make one for myself. But for now, it's, it's fun for me. It doesn't take too much time. So that's why I really love um, just like doodling and helping people. And then the stickers. Yeah. Now, do you you really make stickers? Because I see the pictures, and then I like do. sometimes I see pictures. Yeah. So, how do you make you make I these all like? Do yeah. So it's surprisingly a lot easier than you would think. You just you could buy sticker paper, use a regular printer, um, and I'll just draw it on my iPad, and you'll just print it. And then I bought a Cricut, which is basically just like like a machine that cuts things. So I mean, you could cut it yourself, but I'm like, I want this to look pretty, and yeah, I use that. So for some things that I know, like people are going to get in bulk. I just order, like I order online, which is a lot cheaper because sometimes, you know, the, you'll have missed cuts. Ugh, nothing hurts your soul more than when like you put it, your day into making, <laughs> making all of the um, stickers. And then you see it just completely shredded to pieces and you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, well, no. There's like three hours like lost there, but it's, yeah, it's super fun. It's, so so what, do you, what do you do with these stickers? And you just, so right now, um, I'm actually just making a big, I guess, um, just a stockpile so that I could sell them. I give them, I give them away like at hosp- like at the hospital, like to like my nurses that I love, different specialists. Like even just the other day, I was working with urology, and I haven't <laughs> met these urologists. I'm like, oh here, like you know, it's kind of Wh- weird. Which sticker was it? Just, it was the kidney stone one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I was just like, you know what? Here you are. So. Yeah, so I, as I mentioned, some people call me doodles. Some random people will be like, oh, you're the sticker person. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Awesome. Well, I, for one, totally uh, 
love what you do. Uh, every time you post on Twitter, I'm like, oh, okay, look at that. Because it's, it's so incredibly creative. It's so fun. Um, so I am so glad that you've shared this with the world. For a while, you were incognito. You were you, everything was was secret, and then and then what happened? <laughs> and then there's a tweet <laughs> from my program with my name, with my handle, um, and I just realized then that okay, I guess I'm out there. So, I mean, Which, if people wanted to find you on the internet, anyways, they easily could. But whatever, if anything, I'll find some cool person that could draw some doodles. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm for I for one, I'm glad you're out there because you are. Um, just an incredible person. You're such an ins- inspiration, such a role model to so many other students. And I know you're helping people learn and like the impact that you're having is huge. If people wanted to follow you to see your doodles, to maybe sign up for some sticker book that may come <laughs> in the future, yeah. uh, where would they uh, be able to get a hold of you? So primarily would be on Instagram, position doodles with an S. Um, that's where you'll see most of my meded material platform. And then um, Twitter, it, it's Physician Doodle, no S, because of the limit. Um, but there you'll see a lot of, you know, my popular ones too, and a little bit of inner dialogue of what previously what resident life was like, and now kind of what um, attending life is. And then you'll see me, you know, the things I advocate for. Um, and some humor every once in a while. So position doodle on there. And then one day when I have my, you know, sticker stuff ready for sale. Empire. It'll be, yeah, it'll be there. <laughs> I'll let you guys know, but so look out. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Gazelle, thank you so much for joining us on the thank Black Artist Podcast. So thank you for the uh, representation you provide as a as a physician as an artist and for releasing this art into the world thank you so much i mean thank you guys for you know sticking along and following me on this journey <laughs>